What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Experience Podcast here. We're down a man today. It's T working hard. Uh, but Tanner and I will take you the rest of the way today. And guys, I got to tell you, there's a lot to get to. Four sports this week we want to touch on. The Eagles obviously hiring their new head coach, Nick Sirianni. The Sixers playing only two games this past week because of a COVID scare. The Philadelphia Phillies still have not signed JT Romuto yet. And now there's rumors out there that the Braves possibly are in on the JT Romuto sweepstakes and as well the Flyers playing great hockey, productive week uh, against the Boston Bruins and against the Buffalo Sabres. So a lot to get to today. We want to roll it and open and lead in with the Nick Sirianni hire. Both of us really don't know much about Nick Sirianni other than he's under Frank Reich or at least coached with him uh, under the umbrella last season in Indianapolis. So Tanner, what's your first thoughts when you, when you heard the hire um, about Nick Sirianni? Well, my first thought was I would have rather had McDaniels. That, that was just my opinion. I, I think he would have done maybe a – I was more positive in his effect that he could be on the team. But as I looked into Sirianni more, he has a lot of experience working with quarterbacks, and that's exactly what this team needs right now. Jeff Lurie, he's made it sure that these coaches know that they're going to be trying to fix Carson Wentz, and that's their main objective. So with bringing Sirianni in and his experience with quarterbacks, that's definitely going to help. It also opens the door to a Jalen Hurts trade. I know I didn't want to hear that personally, but you brought it up. NT brought it up, too, uh, in past episodes that that might be the way to go to keep Carson Wentz due to the money and everything like that. And it's it looks like it's more leaning towards that, the way that they got rid of Doug Peterson in favor of Carson Wentz earlier. So that's I'm leaning towards that we're just going to see Carson Wentz back here at the helm of the team. Yeah, you know, Nick Sirianni hired in the NFL in 2009, actually hired with the Kansas City Chiefs the same year as Field Yates, fantasy football expert. Expert. Uh, put air quotes around that. But uh, now this guy, uh, he's got a ton of experience, like you said. Uh, started out in 2009. He was a wide receivers coach, which I think is a key because our receivers really aren't that great right now. Maybe he can come in and have sort of a uh, – you know, groom them even more, maybe have some sort of draft impact as well. Um, and he's under Frank Reich last season, uh, even multiple, multiple seasons since 2018. So, you know, if we can't get Frank Reich back, you know, get the next best thing, I guess, in this situation. Um, he's an offensive-minded coach. Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman obviously want to bring Carson Wentz back. I think that's been known um, in the trade – or, excuse me, in the interview discussions that they've had with all their candidates, which there's been a lot. I think it came down to Nick Sirianni and Josh McDaniels, like you mentioned, um, personally, I don't have too much of an opinion on this guy because I felt like even no matter who we hired, I would have just had like a shrug my shoulders type of attitude because, you know, a lot of these guys aren't super proven, um, especially Josh McDaniels, even his one stint as a head coach in Denver didn't go well at all. Um, but personally, I, I think this guy, he's young, which is good. He, he's an innovative mind, um, you know, fresh face in the locker room. But the one concern could be, um, is he just going to be a yes man for Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie? Yeah, that, that's that's what he's going to do. I said it last episode that this team's going to be looking for a young coach that hasn't had comfort at the head coach position so they can kind of boss him around. And we go to Sirianni, I believe he's 39. That makes him the Eagles, Eagles coach, I think. And so this is going to be, I think personally, it's going to be a, a little bit of a rough start for the Eagles. Uh, you have a, a young a young head coach. You're dealing with the effects of Carson Wentz's last season. Uh, where he did not perform well, as we all know. Um, and now you have Jalen Hurts, too. Also, this isn't going to be good for Jalen Hurts because he, this guy's obviously a competitor. He made it so. He wants this to be his team, and now he sees that there's a new head coach, and that head coach's object, 
uh, his mission is going to be to fix Carson Wentz first. Now, Jalen Hurts, this is going to make him mad, and I, I think Jalen Hurts is going to ask for a trade. Quite possibly. Uh, I think, personally, the reason being for that is because he played four games last year, right? NFL teams have his tape, um, you know, or be able to pull up their, his tape of past games this season. If he just sat the whole season as a backup quarterback, he might not have um, as much of an urge to force his way out of Philadelphia and just stay back there behind Carson Wentz. But, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, there has to be a trade in the works, especially if you're going to roll with Carson. You know he doesn't like having Hurts breathing down his neck, especially because Hurts played decent um, in those four games to end this past season. So I don't know, but Nick Sirianni is a good hire, in my opinion. Um, you know, I don't think it's a bad one. I, I really didn't think you could have a bad hire because of the fact that there's so many offensive options out there, only a few defensive options. But I personally think if you're going to roll into next season trying to fix Carson Wentz as your number one priority, you need to have an offensive-minded coach. So they got that. Now, what, how much say do you think he'll have with draft positioning and draft choices? Because Howie Roseman being the general manager and Jeffrey Lurie kind of wanting to get his hands on this team more than the owner should, in my opinion, do you think that this guy is going to be brought in here and be another Doug Peterson and not have as much of say with – you know, player personnel and draft choices and things like that? Well, he's definitely going to be involved in the conversation, but I think they're just going to use it as advice um, for when, for Jeffrey Lurie and Howie, when they're really looking at these guys to draft. And of course you have the scouts and everything like that, but he's not going to play a big role this season. But I think depending on how, how the season goes, his first coaching season goes, I think it, it's going to, he's going to move up in, the importance of drafting. But right now, as we said, Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, they got this guy so they could tell him what to do. Yeah, Howie Roseman, uh, probably the bigger problem or the biggest problem with this team, in my opinion, personally. You have a quarterback that's proven and then kind of went downhill in Carson Wentz. You have a backup quarterback who stepped on the field, had a nice couple of flashes, but is he going to be the leader of the future? You don't know. You have a coach that had a fractured relationship with Carson Wentz didn't have any say from the front office. So I feel like Doug was almost sandwiched in between a rock and a hard place. You know, he had on one end, Carson Wentz, who really didn't like him personally, Doug Peterson behind the scenes. Um, and then you had general manager and, and owner that wouldn't give Doug as much say or as much, you know, control of, you know, personnel and, and maneuvers or and, and moves, um, just basic general moves with the team. So that's why Doug got, basically got forced out of Philadelphia, in my opinion. And then you have... Howie Roseman, who's probably the bigger issue here. We have a terrible cap situation. Um, he hasn't produced well through the NFL draft, free agent signings, um, trades. Even Darius Slade didn't have his best season last year. I mean, he doesn't really have anything to point to within the last year or two that's, you know, a really solid option. Now, Carson Wentz, you know, from his standpoint, he really declined. And now Howie Roseman himself is now pointing to the fact that he drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. And, you know, he's using that as a chip, I think, because of the fact that Carson was so terrible. But my question to you is, if Howie Rosen is going to point to Jalen Hurts and say, yeah, that's why I drafted Jalen Hurts for the situation like this, and now Hurts steps in and produced pretty well, but at the same time, they're going into these interviews saying to these candidates, we think that Carson Wentz is our guy going forward. So, you know, you got to pick a side here. Which one is it? Well, I personally think that Howie Roseman's doing this because he does not want to get fired. Um we all know that when Jalen Hurts was doing well, uh, Howie Roseman was over there saying, see, I told you so. Uh, this is why I drafted Jalen Hurts. Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, they have, 
they have a relationship that that really helped Howie Roseman not get fired. Um, and I can't believe, you know, we're, we're still talking about how Howie Roseman's on this team and Doug Peterson is not. I think both of them should have been gone. It now it, it not to say that, of course, they'd find another job. Uh, I believe Doug Peterson's taking a, a year off from coaching. But that to me is Howie Roseman just following along with Jeffrey Lurie now because Jeffrey Lurie, he, he's got the final say. He owns this team, he, the owner. And you and I could go back and forth uh, with this all day, but we're going to welcome back a caller, Souf from Lansdale. How you doing? Hey, how you guys doing today? Very well, Souf. We want to get your opinion on this Eagles new hire at head coach position. You know, we just discussed on the show about how, you know, Nick Sirianna, offensive-minded coach, worked under Frank Reich trying to fix Carson Wentz. You know, the list of things goes on and on. Now, is it going to be productive? Is it not? We don't know. But, you know, what's your thoughts on the new hire? Uh, so I'm going to be 100% honest. I had no clue who Nick Sirianni was before we signed him. Um, and to be honest, his name wasn't really floating around until – the moment that he was ultimately given the position. Right. Um, so it was kind of, I'm, it was kind of like, Hey, he's coming from a good, good organization. He's coming from, you know, he's coming from uh, Frank Reich, who used to be obviously our offensive coordinator. Yeah. We want to see both. So of course he's coming from, you know, a well-rounded background and um, that I have to be thankful for, but also at the same time, I feel like Eric, the enemy of the Chiefs offensive coordinator, he definitely, I feel like, I feel as if he was a better candidate. And I was kind of upset that we didn't end up picking him up because I actually read a report that Nick Sirianni wasn't calling the plays in, uh, in, Indiana, in Indianapolis as much as Eric Bienemy was calling uh, for the Chiefs. Right. So, I mean, it makes me a, a little bit nervous, but I mean, look, listen, you see coaches like Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, look, they both turned their organizations around. So, I mean, we're bringing in this young guy. I mean, he, he appears to know, uh, be well-rounded in football and appears to work really well with quarterbacks. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. Uh, that's, that's really the most I can honestly say. But uh, this only – I'm more concerned about a defensive coordinator. Who are we going to go for that position? Yet, I haven't really looked too much into it, uh, and I haven't heard too much about it. But uh, that's what's really uh, – I'm really more focused on that. Um, because I feel like it was so many good off, uh, it was so many good head coach candidates out there. I would have been fine pretty much with, you know, whomever we, we would have went with ultimately, but uh, this offensive and defensive coordinator positions need to be filled as well. So it makes me uh, wonder where we want to go forward with this, uh, this process. Right. Yeah. And I think it would have been a perfect situation to have yet another coach that coached under Andy, Andy Reed. Uh, as our head coach, but you look back to last week's playoff and mostly all them, all of those coaches were coached under Andy Reid at some point in their time. So do you think that Jalen Hurts is going to stay on this team if Carson Wentz is named starter? Absolutely not. Uh, it doesn't really make much sense to keep Jalen Hurts on this team because you got, you got a young guy in here who came in and made plays and was performing Honestly, for a rookie to come in pretty much at the end of the season and perform the way he did, he deserves a starting spot. I mean, if you have if you have Dwayne Haskins getting signed by the Steelers, then there's there's definitely possibility that there's teams out there that are willing to trade for Hurts, and I'm pretty sure that Hurts probably holds first mid to late first round pick value. 
I yeah, mean, I, that's, I agree that's, with you, Swoop. I, I want to ask you about the Colts and, and try to focus on them for a second here. Obviously, making the playoffs, losing a close game in Buffalo, which is a tough environment, even though there's no fans. Um, they had Phil Rivers, a veteran guy, but maybe not the most mobile quarterback in the world. Uh, solid running attack with Jonathan Taylor, good weapons on the outside with Michael Pittman and T.Y. Hill, and then one of the best offensive lines in football. Um, so, you know, the Colts had a pretty solid, pretty stout offense, you know, well-rounded offense in general. So does that give you any confidence coming in with maybe, you know, a less talented offensive scheme or offensive roster as a whole? Does that give you any confidence that he can, even though he didn't call plays, maybe he can take a step forward in a year or two with uh, our offensive weapons, depending on oh, who getting the abs- Absolutely. I mean, listen, the Eagles are – all we have is really young guys um, at, a, at our wideouts and at running back and pretty much at quarterback too. I mean, cause Wentz missed so much time that I feel like there's still a lot that he can learn. I feel like he's not mentally mature. He uh, not, I'm not going to say enough, but at the level that he should be. So I, it's still a lot that Wentz could definitely learn and we've seen his potential and it's still, you know, obviously correct his mistakes. Um, because I'm not going to say they were minor, but these are just mental errors that could be fixed. So working with, you know, this guy and seeing, seeing how well Philip Rivers performed after having not performed that well in years, it gives me, it gives me a lot of optimism for once. Like maybe we could actually turn this around because Philip Rivers, I, I personally, just the fact that he came that close, you know, to, to making the AFC championship, because AFC championship, because that's the, Past years, he struggled just to make the playoffs. So it just, uh, it just felt was, you know, it was a feel good moment seeing him make it that far to end his career. And just the fact that they have Jonathan Taylor as, you know, the, I think he was number three in uh, yep. all, all time rushing yard, um, not all time, excuse me, uh, rushing yards this season. That gives me a lot of optimism as well because I feel like Miles Sanders is a better running back than Jonathan Taylor is. So, I mean, if we could get a better, you know, running game going and better passing attack going uh we, we we got a squad here i mean it definitely comes down to us drafting uh, a wild receiver at with our sixth pick um but i'm i'm optimistic man i it's because i feel like in order to be at least it seems as if young the young coaches in this league are starting to become a lot a lot more successful so, so my final uh, question for you, and then I'll throw it back to Tanner real fast. Uh, you know, Doug Peterson, these rumors came out. Carson Wentz was trying to sabotage the team, maybe with play calling, you know, checking at the line of scrimmage. Um, even though Doug Peterson may have called a run play, Wentz would throw it into a passing play or twist it into a passing play, whatever whatever word you want to use for it. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Is Carson Wentz maybe trying to sabotage Doug to get him out of town? Is this a false rumor? You know, what do you think was going on there? It's just, it's honestly hard to say because obviously none of us are, are there mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not one to really, you know, backbite or, you know, try to, you know, uh, go with the rumors. But uh, I seen, I noticed how, you know, Doug didn't take, take a liking to Wentz when, you know, Mike Grow was fired last season. So I feel as, I feel as if that turmoil had to go into uh, effect this season between those, those two. Um but I, I can't, I can't, at least I can't really say, I can't see Wentz really sabotaging, you know, Doug Peterson's job as well as our, you know, the Eagles franchise's future just based off, you know, his dislike he may have for uh, Doug Peterson. I, I personally can't see that. So I, I just say that's, that's rumors and uh, can't roll with that. Um, but yeah, that's, those, those are my beliefs personally. Yeah, definitely 
drama haunts this locker room for the past couple of seasons. It's it's been haunting this locker room, whether it's Carson Wentz isn't a team player, which uh, you can start to maybe look back at uh, these accusations that Carson Wentz was not a team player and he didn't get along with some teammates. At the time, we thought maybe you know this can't be true. Carson Wentz, he's a great guy and all, but we won't really know until we're there in that locker room and, and we don't know what, what's said in there and, and what's done in there. So uh, we're just going to have to see what happens. Like Souf said, you can't really follow with the drama. Sometimes the media does this to part teams. Uh, thank you so much, Souf, for calling in. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Souf. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, Tanner. I want to I want to move on here because we got a lot to get to. Uh, we definitely wanted to lead in with that hire, um, but now I want to move into the seventy sixers squad. Touch on their you know COVID scare, whatever you want to call it. I know it was the it was the Memphis team that actually had I think maybe a couple positive tests or a contact tracing, but obviously losing a shorthanded game on the road in Memphis without Joel Embiid. You know, without Joel Embiid this year, this team's record is. Not good. I mean, and we expected that probably, but with him, you know, it takes us to a whole nother level, arguably top two, top three, whatever you want to put it in the Eastern conference. Um, and then him coming out the other night against Boston, dropping 42 points, 10 rebounds. Um, I think it was like his 10th or 11th career 40 uh, and 10 game. So when Joel Embiid's on the floor, we know that we can compete with anybody in the Eastern conference. Um, even the Brooklyn Nets, in my opinion, at least compete with them. Now, Going forward here, uh, playing pretty pretty weak opponents up until this point, and also not really fully healthy. Even Seth Curry still remains, um, you know, on the shelf with with the him getting his conditioning bag and uh, whatnot. But you know, your thoughts in this in this quick two games this week, um, does Embiid's performance against the Celtics without Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum, mind you, does that give you any sort of confidence against good teams going forward? Well, I'll tell you what, Max. I'll start with this. I'm not confident in the Sixers team. I thought I was. I, I thought Benson, or I thought if Joel Embiid's out, it's fine. We got Dwight Howard. We got this bench, um, and we could still got Ben Simmons, so we're fine. But as you mentioned, these games, the Sixers definitely play better with Joel Embiid. He's getting 40 plus points, and then you look at Ben Simmons, and he gets 11 points. I think the last two games he got 11 points, and it's not him that steps up. It's Shake Milton. Um, you got guys like Tobias Harris. He's playing his part uh, so far on this team. He's been picking up the pace since last season. So I'm I'm really not confident in this team. I'd like to be because I heard rumors like maybe four weeks ago that this team was just smoke and mirrors and they're, they're not as good as we think. And then we hit that losing streak because of the COVID, um, the postponements and the only playing with eight guys. And so it's been rough for this team going forward. And I'm really looking to see, you know, of course, Joel Embiid back playing like he did last game against the Celtics. That's a big game. It's the Celtics. But now we have a team to worry about in the Nets. Um, they did lose in that double overtime, I believe, with Kyrie yes. back for the first time, all three of them playing together. And Kyrie had a good game. Um, so it didn't really affect him with the drama. And, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping that this team can pick it up. Tobias Harris having a great season, in my opinion. I think I'm higher on Tobias Harris this year uh, than most people in the Philadelphia area, mostly because I expect him to continue this into the playoffs. A lot of people need to see that first. But the way I'm seeing Tobias Harris play this year, more aggressive, um, more of take, taking on that leadership role, almost even more than Ben Simmons has, based off on production on the court. Tobias Harris averaging 19 points a game, almost around 20, which is awesome. You know, he was down 
I think a little bit lower than that last season, maybe taking more shots this year too, which you like to see his three point percentage is definitely a lot higher. Joel Embiid leading the team, what you expect with 24 points a game, but there's six players on this team averaging double figures. Ben Simmons is actually fifth on this list. You know, you have Shake who actually comes off the bench averaging more points per game than Ben Simmons is. You have Seth Curry, you know, maybe it's a little inflated because he hasn't played as many games. Tyrese Maxey averaging 10.6 points per game. There's a lot of players that are producing on this team. That's one of the reasons why they're um, first in the Eastern Conference right now. But Ben Simmons, um, I personally have been a Ben Simmons fan and I, I've backed him. But to, to take this next step, right, um, you know, we cleared out the coach and Brett Brown. Um, you know, we got shooters in with Danny Green, Seth Curry. Furkan Korkmaz has been out, but we have Isaiah Joe who stepped up. Now Furkan's back. You know, the, 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 the bench and the role players are playing their part, like you mentioned with Tobias Harris. The only player on this team that's not playing their own part is Ben Simmons at this point. And I think he needs to get to that 20-point mark. He's not even being aggressive, and, and he's driving in the lane, but he's missing those bunny shots, you know, from two feet, three feet out that he's made in the past. I haven't seen him be aggressive. I haven't seen him go for those big-time jam slams or anything like that. You know, it's more of like a back you down, try to give you a little hook shot, and it rims out. What do you need to see more from Ben Simmons? You know, let's not even take the jump shot into consideration right now because of the fact that even his two-point game is pretty poor. Yeah, well, listen, I want to see him leading this team. He's the leader. He should be the leader we've seen the maturity that he's shown um and we mentioned we hoped that this would kind of light up Ben Simmons the trade rumors to the, to the Rockets and it it seems like it's 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 doing the opposite now look this team is fourth in pace and that's that's one thing that this team was harped on to do better in last season but this is not a team that should be 22nd in three-point percentage it's just not a team you said we picked up shooters like Seth Curry Danny Green, got Tobias Harris, Shake Milton, um, even Joel Embiid. He's knocking down some threes, but this team hasn't performed like they should be. Even though we the record, they're ten and five right now. Uh, there's still a lot of improvement that this team needs to make, and I definitely am still looking ahead to see the trades that are going that Daryl Morey is going to put together. Yeah, I agree with that. There's definitely going to be some moves being made, not just with the Sixers, but with other teams as well. I look at the Boston Celtics, who got a $27.4 million cap exception because of that trade of Gordon Hayward. Now, Danny Ainge, the GM of the Boston Celtics, needs to use that exception by March. So they can get close to almost a max player in a trade or sign and trade, a buyout option possibly. And there's multiple options, you know, veteran players that are kind of at the tail end of their careers maybe, but still productive like a LaMarcus Aldridge or somebody like that. They need a guy uh, inside. We've seen that. You know, Daniel Tice is definitely no match for Joel Embiid. Um, you know, Robert Williams, another guy. Tristan Thompson had no chance against Joel Embiid the other night. So, um, listen, I want to ask you this question personally through this early season, but I think we can get a good, you know, watching these teams in the past multiple seasons, we can get a good, you know, idea of their talent and where they, you know, match up in the Eastern Conference, where do you have the Sixers at right now? How confident are you in, in the seeding and, and where they match up against the likes of the Bucks, the Nets, the Celtics? Uh, six or seven. That's that's what I'm thinking right now. How about you? Is that is that what? Me personally, I got them a little bit higher than six or seven. Uh, but I do I do see your point. Listen, you know, you had the Miami Heat who haven't been fully healthy. Um, and their last season, they got to the NBA Finals. Maybe that was a product of the bubble. But, you know, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and, and guys like that, when they get healthy, I can definitely see the Sixers fall into a round of five seed. Yeah, I, I just can't go high on the Sixers yet, Max. Season after season yeah. or so, 
we get there on the Sixers. We have that Sixers frenzy. But I just can't do it to myself this year. We already had to deal with the Eagles. Right. Um, you know, our school team wasn't doing good. Now we look to the Sixers. We look to the Sixers to really pick it up. And then the Flyers, too. Yeah, of course. Listen, I think for me personally, I think the Bucs are an overrated basketball team. I think Giannis is not as good as the media puts him out to be. I think he's just an athletic freak, still very, very great player overall and insane defensively. But Chris Middleton is their number two. Drew Holiday is their number three. I look at their roster after that. I have no uh, faith in, in Brooke Lopez to stop Joel Embiid in a seven-game series. I think Dante DiVincenzo, me and you are both familiar with him, playing at Villanova. Good player. He hasn't taken that next step yet. Say that again. I'm sorry. He's a good piece, but he was actually – he was going to get traded. Yeah, uh, to Sacramento, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, listen, he's a good player. But, listen, I, I like Shake better. Danny Green as a three-point shooter, I like. Um, so, I'm not – I think people are overrating the Bucks. I'm not saying they're underrating the Sixers. But right now, I'm, I'm more worried about the Celtics and the Nets than I am the Bucks. How about you? Yeah. Well, the, the way the Celtics played in, in the beginning of the game, I don't know. It's it's really – you mentioned that about the Bucks. And I think it, they were a little overhyped in the offseason, the moves they were going to make because they, they locked in Giannis. You thought this team was going to be a super team. Right. Uh, maybe with uh, Giannis kind of controlling who, who flows in, who flows out of this team. It's really up in the air at this point because you got the postponements of COVID. And it just seems like we're, we're going to have to wait a few games until we really know where everyone stands. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, like I mentioned, that Jimmy Butler's been out for, you know, a bunch of games, Bam Adebayo as well. They're still not fully healthy yet, um, the Miami Heat, that is, and Indiana Pacers are dealing with a few injuries. But I still like where the Sixers stack up as long as Joel Embiid can stay healthy. There's a bunch of ifs. Seth Curry getting him back, I think it's going to be a bigger boost than people realize because of his three-point shooting. So it remains to be seen. Look, it's early on this season. There's still a bunch of games we played ahead. And there's tough opponents come up, too. we got the Lakers in a couple games down the road. Uh, our first, you know, big-time road trip of the season coming up. I think it's a four- or five-game road trip out west. So we'll see. This team's going to be tested. Um, and and I, I have confidence in them right now, maybe more than you do. Uh, but that's just – I think that's probably just a product of my personality, you know, always trying to be, uh, you know, positive. And, uh, but, but I agree. Listen, their postseason um, – track record is not good the regular season track record the last year the year before that hasn't been good but I think people aren't giving Doc Rivers enough credit I think him stepping in here as a coach these guys I don't know it's not every player but Tobias Harris you can point to him and be like this is a different Tobias Harris than what we're used to I definitely think Doc Rivers is doing a phenomenal job uh he had to deal with just eight players uh only really playing seven of them like Scott he didn't want to play in that first game where right. we with the the league minimum but he's doing a great job I'm happy he's here in Philadelphia I'm confident in him and uh, I'm confident in this Sixers team I'm just not overly confident I think that's fair because of what they've done to us in the past you know especially last year in the bubble Joel Embiid can he can he maintain that you know uh, conditioning is, is a big question do you like what they're doing you know with with lightening his load he didn't travel to Memphis he didn't travel to Oklahoma City um, you don't want to see that but you definitely want to keep him healthy for the big games come up down the stretch uh, as the season continues. Yeah, we're going to need him for those big games. And like I said, you, you can relax a little bit more if Joel Embiid doesn't play because Dwight Howard. But that means Ben Simmons is going to have to step up more. The 11 points a game isn't going to get it done for this team if Joel Embiid is not playing. Yeah, Ben Simmons needs to take that next step forward. He hasn't done it yet. And personally, uh, I think time could be ticking. Now, the good thing about Ben Simmons is – 
his defensive ability, and we're going to need him against these good teams. We're going to need him to guard Giannis, even if he doesn't produce offensively. We're going to need him to guard Kevin Durant, even if he doesn't produce offensively. Um, guys like that, Jason Tatum, we're going to need him to guard, who, who didn't play uh, in that first game of the series uh, against us. So going forward, I, the, 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 even the four-headed monster, I'll make that up. Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, you know, those guard play and their wings are, are so talented. Um, that's what scares me, you know, because we our wings, uh, other than Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Seth Curry, I don't think they're any match. Uh, we're going to need Joel Embiid to really take that next step and just carry this team possibly, even though he's he's averaging, you know, 26 and he's dropped 40 um, before and we know he's capable of it. But I think in order to beat the Celtics, especially in a seven-game series um, for this example, you're going to need Embiid to drop close to 40 points each game. Yeah, and until the Sixers get farther, before we switch topics to the Flyers, before the Sixers get farther in the playoffs, I'm forever going to be haunted by that Kawhi shot unless the Sixers, they make it to the finals. You know what, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. I think that'll be in the back of our minds for the rest of our lives, especially yeah. especially if we don't make it to the NBA Finals. But let's hope we can. I think what we've seen so far in this early season is definitely encouraging, at least more so than in years past. But like you said, we want to flip to the Flyers here. Probably the best team in Philly sports right now. You can make the argument. Um, three, one, and one most recently. That overtime lost the other night against the Boston Bruins. So from what you've seen with this team so far, I know we got to give you credit with Travis Konechny. The guy's been hot since he came out of that bubble early on this regular season. You got to like what you're seeing from him. Um, the power play, at least the first unit, has been pretty solid for the most part. Carter Hart had a struggle there against the Buffalo Sabres, gave up five goals, and then, you know, Obviously, a Brian Elliott coming in the next game against the Sabres and, and produces at a high level, you know, 40, 40, exact 40 shots. So um, for him to stop 40 shots and have a shutout, uh, Carter Hart the other night bounces back. I'm not going to use that because, you know, we did give up, well, four or five goals, whatever you want to say. Personally, I like where this team is at. I know that it's kind of their first road test of the season here in Boston, but, you know, just opening thoughts of, of what you've seen this past week the buffalo sabers you know having that split obviously but then you know these next upcoming series again they're playing two series each it's not going to be an easy road ahead well it's just the way that they fell apart in the third period that's that's what we got to bring up first uh the bruins four yeah. four goals in the third period right yeah and then so obviously they go ahead and they win in the shootout but carter hart uh Third, did he have 38 saves in regulation in OT? I believe 28 or 38. I'll check the stats for you. I'll check the stats. 38. 38. But both goalies, they, they've been putting in their job. I know Carter Hart was taken out uh, for Elliott and Moose. He had a great game. We mentioned that uh, the, those saves that really put uh, the Flyers above yeah. in that game before. And you got to be confident. You mentioned Travis Konechny, uh picking up the pace after that drought he had in the, in the playoffs. Um, and, and JVR too, two goals in the last game's loss. And really it is to focus on the fall apart in the third period. Yeah. I, I want to point out that the injuries to Morgan Frost, you know, separates your shoulder, Sean Couturier, the same thing, you know, Couturier, you're missing a big chunk of your team right there off the bat in the middle of the ice for your squad. So he's been a big loss early on. Yeah. Those are both. Also, the same kind of hit too that they both uh, they both suffered through. So that's concerning um, for for their health as well. It, you you look to the training and everything they're doing. You hope everything's all right with that. But yeah, we're missing guys. So so these other guys they're gonna have to step up. But uh, Oscar Lindblom coming back from um you know that 
he had a, a, a very challenging uh, time when he wasn't playing. Um, and, and he's finally back on the ice. Good for him. You, you love to see him over there playing too. And he's being a part of this team, but you're going to have the other guys to step up. What, which guy are you really looking at to step up next? Well, Lindblom's produced three points for you so far on the season, um, working his way back, obviously. Um, but but the guy that I'm still looking towards to step up is Claude Giroux. I mean, he has four points this season, just scored his first goal against the Bruins uh, the other night. But, you know, he, he hasn't taken on like that, that leadership role um, as far as on the ice production. Now, he, he might be the vocal guy in the locker room, for example, but for him to not be able to produce at a high level on the ice still concerns me. You know, he's the captain. He's a leader of the team. Um, we have younger guys, probably more talented guys at this point in his career around him, but the media out there still talks about Claude Drew like he's a top-notch player. I just haven't seen him um, at that elite or near elite level. Yeah, Claude Giroux, well, we're always going to – he's been on this team for – a while yep. uh, he's the short captain of this team but you have guys like Joel Fairby stepping up uh playing good and you liked his play in the in the opener or uh, was that was that him in the opener yeah oh, listen this Joel Farabee is going to be here for for a long time good solid player I think our offensive game is great I, I like our defensemen um I think you know maybe they try scoring a little bit more than they should and probably focus on defense but to get to get offensive production from your defenseman is great and Carter Hart specifically, you know, not bouncing back. I hate to use that word bounce back because we did get the loss the other night. But we get, we snuck out a point in overtime, still first in the East. But, again, like the road ahead is, is pretty tough here. We got the Bruins again um, going forward. I just feel like, you know, is that is – my one question was, is that game where Carter Hart gave up the five goals, would that hurt his confidence? Um, he wasn't able to get the win against Boston the other night, so it still remains to be seen. Do you give, you know, Moose more opportunity going forward, even though Hart is your guy? Well, we mentioned that great game he had. I think you got to give Moose, you, you got to give him more opportunities. Carter Hart, he, he's a young guy. He's got to understand that if you don't play the best that you can, you're not going to be playing that next game if someone's better than you uh, in their in their previous game. So that's to be seen. And for the Flyers, I think the Flyers are the best built Philadelphia team right now. Yeah. Um, it, it, the depth. Um, the way they're playing, all built together, the coaching and everything. I'm really more confident in the Flyers than I am the Sixers and especially the Eagles, too. Yeah, look, this team has seven or eight guys that have four points or more. So I feel like it's a collective production. I think the loss of Katoria really hurts us. Um, and I don't know if people realize that as much. I'm sure, you know, diehard hockey fans do. But for the casual fan out there, you know, this is a guy that's been, you know, assistant captain on this team um, and, and he's been productive. Um, maybe not from the goal standpoint, but he can score when he needs to. Um, just a stat sheet stuffer overall. Now, our leading our leading point getter right now is Kevin Hayes. He's been very productive in this early season so far. But the thing about this team that I like is the collective effort um, overall. I think their defensemen are solid. I just like this hockey team. I'm really excited for the for the games going forward. They got the Jersey Devils after that, and then you have the New York Islanders. The thing that scares me is that the East is just so tough. Um, that you're just going to have to continue to produce and produce and produce. That's why the, the thing I like about it is the, the two goalies that we have are capable of going out there and winning the game any single night of the week. I mean, you got to be confident in the goalies. That's the, the most important part of yeah. a hockey team right there. You got to you protect the goalie and he protects you on the scoring side too. Yeah, the so. game the games have been just different. You know, we, we got it blown out by the, by the Sabres. And then in that second game against Buffalo, you had – you know, a close game all the way till the third period. And it was tied nothing, nothing in the third. And then we just exposed for those three goals out of nowhere. You know, we almost flipped the switch and ended up winning the game three, nothing. So 
that's where the shutout came for Moose that night. It was great. But again, to, to have the sluggish two periods of hockey and then, you know, punch it into the third and get three goals out of nowhere, you know, it's really eye popping. Yeah. It's, you don't like to see the fall part at the end. Uh, a few other Philly teams, they do that too. And that's to fix, as I mentioned, yeah. confidence in, in this Flyers team. And I'm glad we were able to get a Flyers conversation without T interrupting that no one cares about hockey. <laughs> You know, I agree with that. And I, I want to add here at the end, the other night, um, falling apart in that third period. That's that's just – it, it hurts us. You know, it hurts your soul because we had control of that hockey game throughout. throughout. You know, took the 2 nothing lead. And then in the third period, the whole debacle happens. Um, luckily, we were able to get that nice the, – the pass and the cross from, from Voracek to JVR to punch that thing into OT and get the point on the road. But you, you don't want to see your team give up four goals in one period ever. I thought Giroux was going to get the job done with that, with the shootout, but yeah, that's another thing, man. He's got to come in the clutch. He's got to, he's got to bury that. It had to, I thought it was going to be his time, but you know, it wasn't, it was a good block. It was a good block. I I didn't like the move that he put on there. It looks like he almost like, you know, uh, stuttered or something right before he took a shot and almost lost his footing a little bit, but you know, well, he hindsight's 2020. He's good with the stick. Uh, he, he knows what he's doing out there and, uh, you know, he, he's still got a couple more years, so, you know, he, he'll mm-hmm. pick, pick it up. Yeah. I'm confident this team going forward, um, you know, next week, you know, we'll, we'll have more games to, to talk about. So we're looking forward to it again, rolling through Flyers hockey this season, um, pretty in depth. So we're looking forward to it. And, uh, we want to roll into our last topic of the day here and touch on the fills, um, off season. We haven't been giving you guys a lot of fills talk because of the fact that not a lot of have been happening. JT Ramuto is still a free agent. Um, still out on the market. We did sign a few relievers. We mentioned Archie Bradley uh, a week or two ago to bolster that bullpen. Dave Dombrowski coming in here, fixing a, a, a big problem, at least brought in two, three guys in that bullpen to really help us out. Most notably Archie Bradley, but, you know, having those guys that, you know, have firepower out of the bullpen, be able to throw 95, 96, 97 miles an hour uh, fastball on the gun. These guys are probably going to get strikeouts, we hope, um, and, and get, you know, much needed outs, not have to rely on Hector Neris and have that one, one pitch splitter and the guys either swing and miss at it or take it and walk. So, you know, Archie Bradley, I have confidence in these guys. The big thing is still JT Realmuto's on the market. And I don't know why we're not, I feel like a lot of people on social media are, you know, you know, wanting JT back and really, you know, pushing for it. But other people in the media, the, the you know, the so-called experts, you know, they're not, uh, they're not a hundred percent, you know, give JT, you know, 120 130 million we did offer him 110 and he's still probably wanting more and rightfully so you know that's what the business is about but five years 110 million dollars you know tanner that's kind of hard to pass up yeah and this is a guy that says he he wants to play for the phillies in philadelphia so i'm confused now he's putting us through an emotional roller coaster jt Ramuto, best catcher in the league Mm -hmm. Um, and then just for the Phillies not to have him secured yet, it, it's so disappointing. That's the thing, though. We can't rely on Andrew Knapp. You know, me and you were texting the other day. Can't rely on that Andrew Knapp for 162, let alone 130, whatever it may be. Uh, the catcher, I think people don't really value it as much as they should. I mean, this is a guy that is the lead in the league and, you know, throwing people out, trying to steal. Um, you know, he's got the bat. He's got – he hits for average. He can steal bases. You know, what catcher do you know out there that can steal, like, 15 bags per season? He's got athleticism. He's got skill. He, he can hit for power, hit for average, um, whatever you need, almost uh, like a five-tool player. Him with the pitchers, you know, he has a great relationship and a great connection, just like any catcher should on these young guys, uh, you know, veteran guys um, in regard to Zach Wheeler specifically.
but overall this guy just brings so much to organization almost like a face of a franchise type of player he has a close relationship with Bryce Harper you never want to make Bryce mad or upset just considering he's here for the next like 12 11 years at this point so there's so many factors that go into this but I agree with you you offer a guy 105 years 110 million that's a nice chunk of change and to still not accept it and and again I don't want to you know point too many fingers at him uh, because, you know, it's all about getting the most money. I'm sure his agent's in his ear saying, listen, we're going to get you more money. We're going to get you more money. But as you as you look at all these free agent signings and George Springer signing with the Blue Jays, Michael Brantley goes back to the Astros. There's only two big fish still out there. It's Trevor Bauer and JT Real Muto. I'm just hoping that we can get JT back in a Phil uniform because that's behind the backstop of the team is, is so important. I just don't want to lose his production as a whole. Well, listen, you brought up, this guy's name that I just refuse to, to say, the, the other catcher on the Phillies team. It makes yeah. me impressed that if we don't have JT Real Muto, we're going to have this guy to depend on. Um, i got to bring up these stats because the amount of runners that he's left on base when he's at bat, it's it just it, – it's absurd. Uh, when, when – I'll say his name. When Andrew Knapp is up to bat, I change the channel. When JT Real Muto is up at bat, I put it on all the screens in my house. <laughs> well, you know, I'm waiting to see what JT Ramuto is going to do. And if this Phillies team can't get it done, we're going to be three steps behind again. It's, it's a problem because of the fact that our farm system isn't on the, you know, more productive side. It's not a strength of our organization. And that's why we're going to have to go out and spend a lot of money in free agency. Luckily there's not a cap, there's not a cap, you know, uh, you know, cap ceiling, whatever you want to call it. Um, But there's a luxury tax, you know, lots of owners don't want to go over that luxury tax, but the Yankees do almost every single year anyway. Um, so personally, you're going to have to spend a lot of money in free agency in order to compete with this up and coming division. And what do the what do the Braves want with JT Romuto? Come on, they have Travis. Uh, they they don't Travis really Darno, yeah. They don't really need JT Romuto. They're just doing this in spite. This is a Cowboys and Eagles type thing. Yeah, I, I agree 100. I don't think that the first of all, if he goes to the Atlanta Braves, you know, <laughs> just bury me, just bury me in a casket. Because I cannot deal with that. Look, they already have so many high-powered players. They have Ozzie Albies, Ronald Acuna Jr., Freddie Freeman. The list goes on and on. Now they get that rotation, which is pretty stacked, too. They're going to have Mike Soroka coming back off the Achilles injury. It's just a lot, man. And and the Marlins making the playoffs last year, they're an up-and-coming team with a good manager in Don Mattingly. The Nationals still with that monster of a rotation. It's just so hard to compete, and we lose JT. You know, We're really at the bottom of the division. It's kind of worrying me how – the Marlins have been kind of quiet after after the way they performed last season. You said getting into the playoffs yeah. uh, over there. And it's I, first off for the Marlins to make the playoffs and the Phillies not to. That's just that that's another thing. But the way the Marlins have been quiet in the offseason, not picking anyone up, I'm just curious what their plan is. Yeah, it's a lot to dive into. I know baseball is still far off, um, you know, coming up. Obviously, pitchers and catchers report less than a month. Now is JT Rumito going to be one of those catchers reporting, uh, you know, hopefully the deal gets done soon, but overall this team is pretty, pretty concerning considering the, the rest of the division. Now, if you're in a weaker division, it wouldn't be as concerning, but because of the fact we have an aging Andrew McCutcheon, how much, how much production does McCutcheon have left out there in left field? Are we going to have a universal DH this year in both leagues? That would really help us personally. I think that McCutcheon would benefit a lot from having a DH role. Um, here and there during the weeks because it's a grind, especially last season being cut short this year, probably going to be a full 162 games. 
you still have a question mark out in center field. Can Roman Quinn stay healthy? Will Adubo Herrera be back after his incident a few years ago? That's a name that we haven't really thought about in recent memory. Didi Gregorius, will he be re-signed? Obviously, you have Alec Bohm at third base. Will Reese Hoskins be able to give you more production this season like he had back in 2017, 2018? He's fallen off a bit in recent years. Um, Scott Kingery, will he ever be able to take that next step and, you know, hit for power more, maybe get on base in general, maybe walk more because he's got speed. He's just never on base enough. Right. It's funny you mentioned Odubel Herrera because he he is still involved with this team. Now, he's not on the 40-man roster or anything like that, but he we haven't been able to really shake him yet. Uh, he's not part of this Phillies, the Phillies plans in the future. Um, they're just looking for when he's not not around anymore. But we mentioned the farm system for this Philly team, and we don't quite know how the season's going to go for either all 162 games or what. Um, we're just going to have to wait and see till it gets closer. But this Phillies team, it, they've been working on their bullpen, but it's just not enough. And we can't get both in my – I don't think we can get both D.D. Gregorius and J.T. Realmuto back on this team. I think we're going to have to choose J.T. Realmuto – we're going to have to go all in for him. Uh, D.D. Gregorius, I believe he's looking for, is it a two-year a two-year contract? Probably more than, because last year you got the one-year deal. So you would expect to have more, more years. Looking for more years on one team. So I don't think we're going to see D.D. Gregorius back if J.T. Ramuto comes back. That would be tough because then who plays shortstop for the Phils? You know, it's, I'm not sure. Uh, there, there's a lot of questions to be answered there. And I think one thing that's on our side, though, is D.D. loves playing for Joe Girardi now. I don't know how much money that could shave off. You know, how, what is, how much is Joe Girardi worth, I guess, um, is the question. But, you know, that still remains to be seen. Guys, uh, great show today. If you missed any of this episode, go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Philly Experience Podcast, um, Apple Podcasts. Again, when the show gets released, Apple Podcasts, you can listen to it there, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. So T will be back with us next week. Um, you know, we'll recap everything again with you guys. So stay tuned.